Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to talk with the CEO of the Health Alliance Plan about the U.S. Senate's plan to overhaul the federal health care law. What effect would it have on HAP and other insurers? We have talked with hospitals recently about this. We have talked with patient advocates about the plans to overhaul health care in the U.S. And today we're going to talk with some insurers about what they think the effect might be on them and, as a result, the effect on patients, people. Uh, so you're going to want to stay tuned to that segment. But first, there's a familiar name running for mayor against Mike Duggan here in the city of Detroit, Coleman Young II. He is the son of former Detroit Mayor Coleman Young, and he is a state senator who's been representing the city at the state capitol for just about a decade. Senator Young is now running a campaign for mayor as a sort of outsider with insider knowledge. He says, Duggan's administration focuses too much on the success of elites in downtown and midtown Detroit and not enough on the city's poverty-stricken neighborhoods. But Young is also running on his family name and the success of Detroit's first black mayor. Joining me now to talk about that campaign is Coleman Young II. Senator, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, always a pleasure to be it's with you. It's always good Steven. to see you. Yeah, WDET, finally made it, man. I did, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, also, listeners, you want to participate in the conversation, ask Senator Young a question, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Senator, I want to start Well, you with, also forgot uh, an introduction about Mike Duggan bid rigging and colluding, you know, robbing and stealing. <laughs> what's, that? what's that? What's yeah, that? What's yeah. that have to do with yeah, introducing yeah, yeah, yeah. you? Well, 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 we, you know, that's why, why I'm running <laughs> to stop running against corruption. I, I, I Cleaver's see. versus corruption. Well, I okay. see. All right. Well, we'll you know. we, we, we may get to that in the uh, interview. I want to I start by going back a couple months before uh, anybody really was uh, in a position to announce for this mayoral race. The word was that you, being term limited in Lansing, were looking at uh, what the next uh, mm. the next uh, opportunity to serve might look like, and that you were eyeing a run for the fifth district city council seat, which mm. is right now held by Mary Sheffield. That's a district on the east side of Detroit that includes your Senate district. It's also uh, a place where your father uh, was a young man and started his political career. Walk me through the process of deciding not to continue a legislative career like that. You've been a legislator for 10 years in Lansing. This would have been a more natural fit, perhaps, some people might think. Uh, why did you decide that wasn't something you wanted to do and running for mayor was? Well, it's the reason why I ran for mayor is the fact that 48 percent of the city is living in poverty. We've had the most water shutoffs here, over 100,000 anywhere else in the country. And, you know, as the lady was just saying earlier in the intro, we've had the most foreclosures here than anyone else. And uh, I believe that if you're in a position to do something and you don't you do it, to help someone and you don't help, then you're part of the problem. I mean, what is the purpose of having power if you don't serve the powerless? And so you didn't feel like you could do that from that 5th District Council seat? Well, I just felt like, you know, right now with what's going on, we need leadership right now in the city of Detroit. I mean, we need someone that's going to actually be focused on putting people to work, not bid rigging and colluding. 
Uh, that, that's why I wanted to run for mayor, because I believe that right now people are hurting. There are too many. There is shame before God that you got billions of dollars flowing through downtown. We have no recreational centers. It's a shame before God that you got billions of dollars flowing through downtown and you got this many young men who are out of work. That's why I wanted to run. Yeah, I wanted to run for that young man that's got to go to job, to job, to job, to job, to job. And I also want to run because somebody needs to speak up for these kids. They got to walk four miles on average just to get to school through dangerous dogs and dangerous bills. And you know that. Sure. You did reporting on that. And I've read them. So you know about what's so, going on. So, that's why I ran. So, so let's get down to the policy level, though, of, of these things. Yeah. Uh, last week, you released a plan uh, yeah. that talks about many of the different problems you see here. I was looking forward to you writing about city. it in, in your paper, man. <laughs> I thought you'd go right by it. Instead, I was looking forward We're to that Stephen Henderson, <laughs> that section we'll, of my plan, we'll man. Get to, we'll get to that. All, all right. right. Uh, all right. Let, let, let's talk about that plan, though. Let's yeah. talk about the things that you want to do as mayor, recap for us what 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 makes the priority list uh, sure. from from a policy standpoint. Sure. If you were to win, sure. well, listen, what I want to talk about, uh, one I want to talk about in terms of my plan. I'm going to talk about a couple things. I can't talk sure. about all of it, but yeah. I'll talk a couple things. One, auto insurance. I think that we should stop basing people's rates based on their credit. Stop basing people's rates based on their zip code where they live. Uh, I also think that uh, the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Association uh, should be open to the public. And it should be open to um, the Open Meetings Act. And I also think that we should change the definition of excessive. Right now, a rate can only be excessive if competition exists. I think that a rate should be excessive according to what the United States Treasury said is a rate would be uh, affordable. Is that 2% or less of your income? And I also think that we should roll back rates by 65% uh, because I think that uh, auto insurance is on average over $5,000 a year. Uh, your auto insurance is worth more than your car note. And uh, I also believe that the insurance commissioner should be elected. Uh, I think that the insurance commissioner should uh, have powers to be able to give refunds if they overcharge uh, consumers and also uh, be able to uh, – oh, yeah, and I also think that rates should be based on prior approval. Right now it's file and use. Yeah. So that basically means the insurance company files the, use, files the rate with the uh, DIFs, the Department of Financial Insurance Services, and then use it. I think that it should be approved by the insurance commissioner. Yeah. Okay, so let's take uh, some of those proposals one And then if they time. don't do anything in Lansing for that, I want to sue the state in order right. to get this done. So so let's talk. Let's start with the first thing that you said, that uh, insurance rates should not be based on your credit should yeah. not be based on your zip code. Yeah. That's a matter of state statute. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been a member of the state legislature for 10 years. Mm-hmm. D- are, are these things that you propose? Oh, yeah. Things that I propose. It passed uh, when I was a state representative. Mm-hmm. You know, we passed these things out of the House. Um, they didn't go anywhere in the Senate because the Republicans <laughs> controlled the Senate. <laughs> right. So uh, that was when, you know, Granholm was governor during that time. Right. So uh, these are things I've already passed. Out of the House. I, my, my legislation that I passed uh, was basically legislation – um, and basically what it does is it says, I think it's House Bill 56330, I don't think of 2009, if I'm not mistaken. And basically what that does is it says that because everyone has to buy insurance, it's a mandated product that you have to hide by the state. And mm-hmm. we're the only state in the union where it's a misdemeanor. That means you can go to jail if you don't have, if you don't have all the insurance. Sure. Um, basically it says that if the insurance companies are going to raise your rates, they actually have to call a town hall meeting and explain to the people why they're doing that. And and where where else in the country does that happen? 
I don't think I think he was unique and he was original in that yeah. sense, that innovative in that sense. It only happened in it's going to happen in Michigan, right? Uh, and and the zip code thing, uh, basing rates on zip codes, that was part of that bill as well. Yeah, yeah. And and so then let's talk about some of the other things uh, that that you were talking about. All of them, it sounds like, are matters of state. Law yeah. and not city. Well, right? as a mayor, you could go up to Lansing and advocate for these changes, and that's what I plan on doing. What would be the reason that you would be more successful as mayor of Detroit in advocating for those changes than you have been as a rep or well, senator? Well, 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 I think as mayor, because as well, one, I believe as mayor, you have that ability, you have that podium, you have a larger bully pulpit, one. And uh, I think, secondly, as someone that has legislative experience, I could be able to use the experience that I have to be able to talk to my colleagues in the House and the Senate in order to get things done. And I think the fact that the system itself now is so has gotten so out of control, that, the, that it is so broken, that now these rate increases are starting to affect people that are outside the city of Detroit as sure. well. Yeah, I mean, you, but you I think have... the reason why it's happening to the city of Detroit is because of redlining. Right. And I think it's racist and it's wrong. Well, and... and uh, uh, Talk then about your response to the bills that are sort of floating around the legislature right now that we can't yeah. get votes on that the mayor, uh, the current mayor, well, is, is trying to push. What's, what's your position on that? Well, first of all, the reason why he couldn't get votes on this, uh, Mike Duggan, uh, my opponent who bid raising colludes, just want to make that clear. Uh, you keep saying that, and yeah, and, and it's true. frankly, he admitted frankly, it. Okay, on so, television. So here's the, here's the thing. Let's let's talk primarily about your campaign. He's not here to defend okay. himself. That's not really that's not a really fair statement. You said it once, actually you've said it now two or three times. No, I said I, I think probably that's said three enough. or four times. <laughs> I think we're good on that. I let's, wanted to say it some more times. Let's talk about we need to talk about Young that. the second. Well I'm defining myself and defining him. I I, I can walk and chew uh, cornbread at the same time, Stephen. <laughs> but, uh, but 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 let me answer the question though. Um in terms of the issue of insurance, the reason why D insurance was bad was because de-insurance... And this was the plan uh, to plan create a, a, reason why a de separate... Is bad uh, is because de-insurance had, was a rate reduction plan with no mandatory rate reductions in it. So in instance, basically what they were saying is they were going to give Detroiters cut rate substandard insurance because they were going to cut the amount of health care that they receive only in Detroit. Well, no, it was only in some places in the suburbs too. But they did not mandate that they roll the rates back. Right. There was a very small uh, increase or a decrease Man. involved in, in, in the bills. That's one of the main. No, there was, there was no uh, there was no decrease involving the bills at all. So so that's that's the point. So your plan, my plan is that we were mandate. Now he's saying this because I got on the we were talking about it, but we're going to mandate they roll back rates. By sixty five, by sixty five percent, or you know that could negotiate depending on how you do it. And you think that the and you think you could get the state legislature to mandate? Well, I that. definitely want to work with. A I want to have a carrot. I want to have a carrot stick approach. So, if what we're saying does not, um, or cannot be achieved, or they, or something that we're they're just not going to work with us at all, mm -hmm. then I think we need to work with the United States Conference of Mayors, and I think that we need to file a suit. And a suit sue, of redlining. A suit of red. Uh, a, let me say a who, suit involving redlining. And who 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 would you be suing? I would sue the insurance companies. You sue the, uh, the insurance companies, yeah. not the state. Yeah, no, 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 insurance right. companies. Okay. Did I say the state before? I'm oh, sorry. Let me, yeah. let me correct myself. I bet the insurance companies. You would I'm be sorry. suing the insurance. I just insurance companies. companies. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Coleman Young, the second state senator from here in Detroit, candidate for mayor of Detroit. We're talking about his campaign and what he would like to see here in the city of Detroit. If you want to join the conversation, 
Give us a call, 313-577-1019 on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, one of the things that I think defines you and, and yeah. uh, has defined you in, in the entire time you've been in public life uh, is that you give voice to some really important constituencies who don't otherwise get heard an awful yeah. lot. And the people who live in neighborhoods that are not uh, benefiting from the things that are going on, people whose lives uh, don't look like uh, the, the, the things that we hear about uh, that are going well in the city. <clears throat> but what? But I guess uh, my, my question about that is, what are the things, the specific things that you want to do to change that dynamic? In other words, uh, you talk about billions of dollars uh, being invested in yeah. downtown and midtown Detroit. Nobody's nobody's questioning whether that's true. Yeah. Most of us think, you know, uh, that's not a bad thing. But there is lots of other stuff to do. How do you how do you make that translation though? How do you how do you take either that investment and get it redirected to neighborhoods, or find different kinds of investments? to deal with the things that uh, are outside of the city's core? Well, first of all, let me just say, one, I want to take buckets of money. So I want to take the home funds. I want to take the community development block grant funds. I want to take pension funds. And I want to be able, and I want to take new market tax credits. And I want to be able to invest that in the city, as well as try to see if we can have a low-income housing tax credit be invested in this, these neighborhoods. And most of these, most of these things are already part of the investments that you see in neighborhoods in Detroit. The, the, the question is not about no. where they're directed. The question no. is about how sufficient no. they are. No. Well, 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 right, right. Well, no, no. They're, they're uh, be part of investing in neighborhoods now. Yes. That's why I went back to the big rigging colluding, because he can't focus on anything else because he's so busy dealing with that. So now, all of a sudden, he wasn't focused on the neighborhoods. And what I'm saying, I don't take all that money that we have, and I want to invest that in neighborhoods. I also, let me say this as well. What I also want to do in terms of blight is I want to make sure that we have a community bill of rights um, that makes sure that communities can be able to file injunctions against bad actors or people who own blighted buildings. Uh, I think that's something that's very or vacant or open or dangerous. When you say buildings. file injunctions, how how would that work? Well, basically, what they would do is you can have a community group, you can have a uh, nonprofit community, and they basically could be able through obviously they would hire a lawyer, or attorney, or something of that nature. They, as an organization, could be able to file injunction against that person, and then basically. From that, they could be able to file suit against these people who are having these abandoned buildings. Uh, so and, and they violate judgment against them, them but enjoin them against what? Well, adjoin them against owning this abandoned building, against, so, so against, would, against not keeping up this abandoned building. Right. So trying to enforce city code. So trying to enforce code. city code, yes. So you would have citizens enforce city code against other citizens. No, no I would have citizens property owners. Code enforce code against people who are violating the vacant, open, and dangerous law. Okay. So that's what I would do. And you'd need a state law to do that, wouldn't you? Well, I mean, I think we have to work with our state in order to get this done. But no, I mean, you have other cities that have done this. I mean, Baltimore done that without a state law. But Baltimore has done that with government enforcing code against property owners, not other citizens. Well, that's not necessarily true. That, that's what I said. They had the community. Uh, they had the. Um, let me sure I get this right. They had their community bill of rights, which allowed the communities to be able to do that. It allows the community to point it out and ask the city to act. It doesn't. It doesn't give. Uh, one citizen, 
the right to breach the property rights of another, for instance. I mean, if 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 I live in a neighborhood, that's not necessarily true. If I live in a neighborhood where somebody's not taking that's care not of their house, true. you're saying that I could I could well, not you individually, but you as a community organization, right? That'd be okay. within the community organization, not individual, not one individual against another individual, but you as a community organization, right? Yeah, but but but, but in general, what you'd like to do is give community organizations the power, right? To 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 deal with blight in their in their right. areas, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead. No, 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 no problem. Secondly, what I would like to do is I would like to be able to have uh, deputize neighborhood deputies to be able to make sure, like they had in Atlanta, to make sure they can issue blight tickets to people against abandoned property. And thirdly, what I like to do is have receivership. So, like I said earlier, and this is within Pennsylvania. And so, basically, what they do is they have. Um, is they are able to file injunctions, which basically allows them to be able to take them to court, and then the court can decide whether or not they're going to be able to appoint a judge or whether they're going to appoint a nonprofit over that property be able to take that down yeah. or tear that property down. They can decide what to do with that. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Got a lot of folks who want to talk with Senator Coleman Young in the second. Chris in Northwest Detroit, you're up first. Welcome to Detroit today. Chris? Hi, uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Go ahead. So, uh, Colin Young has made some suggestions here that, you know, sort of the, the investment where, where money is going um, isn't really benefiting Detroit on a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, anybody who really knows the city and who drives around can tell that, you know, to a certain extent, what he's saying is true, that, uh, that there's, there is disinvestment in large swaths of the city. So, that, that absolutely is correct, and I'm sure that that speaks to many of the electorate that he is hoping to reach out to. Uh, my question, though, is, so, you know, we, we do have lots of investment going on in Midtown and Downtown. That's been part of a strategy of investment for several mayors for several decades at this point, uh, was to try to grow that sort of core, and then from there, hopefully that means that the city is able to regain some momentum and then stabilize sort of throughout. The concept of jobs is what I really like uh, Coleman Young to speak to because, you know, jobs is sort of, that deals with, uh, yeah, it deals with city policy, but also deals with macroeconomic realities of the current world that we live in and, you know, structural disinvestment from, you know, greater economic forces. So what exactly does the mayor propose to do structurally? To be able to address those type of you know macroeconomic disinvestment in yeah. the neighborhood, bring back jobs. Chris, great question, mayor. He did. I appreciate he's that. He's out. He's out in front of himself that. there, Thank but that's you, all right. Thank I'm you, sure man. you. I'm sure you love that. I, but, I, well, well, I do appreciate <laughs> it. I do appreciate. <laughs> but but I, I think it's a good question. How do you create jobs for people in neighborhoods when? You have the skills gap that we do mm-hmm. in, in these neighborhoods mm-hmm. when you have the kind of disinvestment, like he was talking about, the structural disinvestment mm-hmm. in urban areas. What are the levers you pull well, to get let, more well, Detroiters in? First of all, that's why I said earlier, I think we need to take the home funds that we have, the home funds for building houses. I think we need to take the community development block grant funds. We need to take pension funds, these buckets of money, and invest these in these neighborhoods. In terms of job training, I think there's no reason why we cannot partner up with the private sector to be able to provide more job training opportunities for people from high school and partner up with DPS. And I also think that we should partner up DPS in the city and maybe Detroit Economics uh, Solutions Corporation and uh, or Employment Solutions Corporation, excuse me, and um, partner up with the skilled trades 
to be able to have these kids learn a skilled trade. So if they graduate from school and they can't go to college for whatever reason, they can be able to have training from skilled trades. Yeah. I think that's something that's critical. Um, also, uh, let me say, I think that, you know, when my father was mayor, he wanted to have more African-American mechanics in mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the yard. So what he did was he took them down to Sears. Sears gave them some training. <laughs> he partnered up with Wayne County Community College. Mm-hmm. They gave them a credit. And they got their certificate, and then they went down there in the yard and got jobs. There's no reason why we can't do the same thing here in the city of Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, great question. Thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Bernard in Detroit. Bernard, welcome to Detroit today. Yes, uh, good morning to everyone there. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, hey there, my question to uh, coming to be soon to be Mayor Young is uh, about the uh, Detroit Police Department being an example for the rest of the nation. Mm-hmm. I think our, our police department is, is outstanding, number one. But we have uh, people are being, uh, African-Americans are being targeted and killed, and no one is being convicted. My thing is, I heard something some time ago, there's a push in New York, that they're trying to get, uh, when an African-American is, is uh, shot and killed, and they get these lawsuits, they offer money and so forth, let that money, instead of coming from the citizens of that city, come from the police pension fund. And, you know, uh, if you hurt somebody in their pocket, you get results a lot quicker. Oh, Bernard. Uh, that's so a pretty, I'm just thinking, nah. what are your feelings? Well, listen, that? listen, Bernard, first of, all, I think, I, well, first of all, I think what we need to have is equal justice under the law, period. Whether you are a police officer or whether you're a citizen, if you break the law, you should be held to account. And uh, I think what's going on with Terrence Crutcher and a lot of these other cases nationally, I think this is an obvious, clear case of people who are just not being held accountable for wrong actions. And, uh, and I thought that was murder, quite frankly. Um, so I think it comes down to training. I think it comes down to body cameras. And I think it just comes down to serious reform overall in terms of police and how we do this. And, but, but let me also say this as well. Majority of police officers are hardworking honest people. They're honest Detroiters that are overworked. No, they are, no, excuse me. They're uh, overworked and overwhelmed mm-hmm. and underpaid. And so I think this is just a handful of people who do this. And I think this is the problem in any profession, which is just speaking up and speaking out. Because you got a handful of people that are making the whole entire police force look bad. And you just got to sit these people down and tell them. Mm-hmm. And we got to start talking about speaking up and speaking out about this. And so, I think this code of silence, I think that's the problem. And that's the mentality that we got to change, not just in the police department, but in professions, period. So, so happens in my line of work you, all the time. If you're elected mayor, what changes would you make in leadership at the, at the police department? What changes might you make? In terms of policy. Well, look, I don't want to start in terms of leadership. I mean, I don't want to start. Uh, I don't want to count my eggs for the hash tier. You know, I don't want to be presumptuous here. But, Everybody will be under review once I become mayor in terms but of But do you uh, think that Chief Craig is doing the kind of job that we need done? Everybody will be under review uh, when, I, when I uh, when I get become mayor. But uh, in terms of policy, what I think that we should have is I think we should have, um, one, we should have body cameras. I think that's something that's critical. I think we're, transparency. We're getting, that's, that's starting in Detroit. That's, that, that, that's starting, but I think we could do a lot better in terms of that, and I think we need to have more policy involved in that. Uh, secondly, I think we need to have better training 
And I think there's a lot of uh, training that we have in terms of smart policing and things of that nature that we need to do in order to make sure that we have better training of our police officers and better standards. I think that's a, But I also really think that we need to have residency in the city of Detroit again. I think that's something that's critical. Um, and that's why I'm supporting that. So so the residency question yeah. was answered by the Supreme Court in, I think, the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say you can't, under our Constitution, compel uh, public workers to live in the city where they're where they're where they're working. Uh, so how would you change that? Well, I don't necessarily think. I mean, I, I know I've heard, I, I've never heard. I'm not familiar with that case. Oh, I heard, sure. I, mean, I heard of case. another. I heard of another case though that said that police that that are they are allowed to be able to cities are allowed to be able to do that. I'm not saying not true. I'll just say I haven't heard about. It. Let me go back and read it. Do you know what the name of that case is? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, but, I have uh, not heard. You're uh, talking about. I mean, that's a but big... I know there's other cities that have that now. I mean, you have cities right now like Chicago and other areas that have that. So, I mean, I would assume that that would be part of the police power in terms of localities being able to mandate that. So I don't necessarily know if that's the case. And I'm sure there's probably some um, there's probably some exemptions or some things in that nature. There has to be because there are cities right now that have residency. From my understanding, I think Chicago still has residency. Uh, there are cities in other states that have residency, right. but you can't in the state of Michigan because our Supreme Court— Oh, you see. Oh, this is a stay case. Yes. I thought you'd be the Supreme not a U.S. Court. Supreme oh, I'm, I'm Court. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, yeah. Bobby. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. You be. You be the. Well, we're going to challenge that. That's why I was talking about. If we're not going to pass legislation, that's why I want to pass legislation to bring residency back. And if we're not going to bring pass legislation to bring residency back, then I'm going to file a lawsuit against that. Well, you'd have to. You'd have to. You'd have to overturn the Supreme Court decision, yeah. which would mean changing the Constitution. I mean, you'd have to change the Constitution to be able to do that. In well, 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 wait, well, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. You'd now. have to change the state constitution. Right. You, you, you have to change the state constitution in order to override. Again, I just don't. I, okay, I, I have see. I have to go look into this because. Well, well, wait a minute now. If that's the case, then how do we have the emergency manager law then? Well, that's a emergency very different, manager law. Well, well, not necessarily. But the constitution, provision. the constitution, the state constitution says. First of all, the state constitution says the, the federal constitution says that states cannot terminate contracts. The emergency, the emergency manager Actually, law. Actually, the the United States Constitution says that. Go ahead. Article One, Section Ten of the United States Constitution says that you cannot right. terminate contracts. Right. The emergency manager has the power to terminate contracts. Right. In the state, there's a very complicated constitutional line of cases right. and, and arguments about why like, that's true I'm and why sure. that's not. But the, but it's not related to the. It's, it's not, not related, related to, to residency. It's not related to residency. But but yeah. well, I'm going there. I'm I'm, it's, I'm building okay. a picture. I'm, I'm okay. painting the overarching <laughs> art there. What I'm saying is just like there's a constant. And, 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 and let me say this too. I think too often in this state we pick and choose when we want to enforce the Constitution and when we don't. And I think that there's sure there's a lot of constitutional arcing lines in terms of residency as well. In terms of um in terms of why this why they came to that decision. And I think that it can be challenged and overturned. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's go back to the phones here. Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit today. You there, Gene? Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Gene. Yes, good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask the senator uh, what he thinks about the hardest hit fund being used for demolition and not being used to give relief to citizens facing tax foreclosures, and also what he thinks about the Detroit Future City Plan. Thank you very much for the question, Gene. Go well, ahead. First of all, thank you, Gene. I appreciate it. First of all, let me say this. One, in terms of the hardest hit funds, 
the fact that you had over 90% of Detroiters who made under $30,000 who are rejected from the hardest hit funds, and with the amount of foreclosures that we've had in this city, what I would have done is I would have used the hardest hit funds to actually help people who are trying to stay in their houses, and I would have went to the federal government and asked them to give you more money in terms of the community development block grants to make sure that we can use that money, which has more flexibility, to be able to tear down these houses. So that way you can have enough money left that's over actually, people to stay in their houses. Yeah, that's actually someplace. use that where you can tear those sure, houses down. That's actually someplace that you and the current mayor overlap. He says that if he had been mayor in the late O's, early right. uh, teens, he right. would have used those the same way. What do you think about the well, way that- Well, he could have did that now, though. I mean, well, he could have advocated for this That's now. what I'm asking. I guess what I'm asking and when, you, it, would you. Would you use them uh, I mean, he's saying that now because I'm saying it, but he wasn't saying that before. Well, it, it's also and he not- he even said on radio, he even said personally on radio, that he said that he went to Washington and asked the senators to advocate for more money for a uh, hardest hit. He should have asked for more money for community development block grants for his demolition program. Fair enough. Uh, would you use those funds that way now in, uh, instead of for tearing down? Yes. We have 45,000 uh, abandoned houses or something still in the city. You would not use hardest hit funds to I tear would, those down. I would do what I said earlier, which is that I would try to see if we could get more community development block grant money to be able to use that money to tear down houses and use the money that we have now in order to keep people in the house. But again, you're, you're, you're you're asking me, like, you know, what I would have done, you know, now, well, sure. whereas compared to this should have been done back then. And if it would have been done back then, we wouldn't be in the situation. We might not we be in now. the same situation, although I would argue I mean, that tax foreclosure has caused us more problems with blight than oh, bank I'm foreclosure, not, I'm right? Not, I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it hasn't, but what I am saying is that people who are applying for these hardest hit funds should have been, if they would have been able to got that money, a lot more people would be in their houses. That's right. just a fact. Right. Uh, let's go to Matt in Westland. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, Matt's gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's go to Asada in Detroit. Asada, welcome to Detroit Matt Today. agrees with my plan. <laughs> oh, thank you, and good morning to you, uh, the host and the hosted. Um, I was wondering, is there any legal way that when Detroiters vote, we can find out if they have registered vehicles that they pay insurance on with the Detroit City zip code? Uh, Sana, can you can you uh, can you elaborate? I'm not sure I understand the question. Okay, what I want to know is, we Detroiters vote, but a lot of Detroiters. If they're not paying insurance through their Detroit zip code address, then they're not supporting Detroit. I see what you're saying. Yeah, go ahead. So I I think that right now you have a lot of people who use different addresses when they vote because of their auto insurance. So I think that's something that really uh, stops. I think what we need to start doing is I think, one, we need to lower auto insurance. I think that's the real issue here, and I think that's what we need to start fighting for as reform. And so I think that's something that we, I appreciate what Masata is saying. I think it's a great question, but I just think we need to lower auto insurance to get these rates down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Senator Coleman Young, the second mayoral candidate, uh, yes. Senator Coleman Young. Yes. Thank you, as always, for uh, being Thank here. Thank you. We'll have to have you back Yeah. Uh, before the big day. Yeah. <laughs> the candidate does a big ring. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all right, there you go again. There you go again. All right, up next, we're going to talk with the head of a major health insurance company here in Southeast Michigan about about the planned federal insurance overhaul. Stay with us on Detroit Today.